Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to the book of Deuteronomy? It's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Good morning. We'll wait for Pastor Emerita to wrap up her conversation. (laughs) She has more. She can do whatever she wants here. It's fine. We'll just... (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Open up your... Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever it is, I would really encourage you to follow along so that I don't just make things up. You can check me, make sure I'm not making things up here. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and Their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore your, to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Let's open in prayer. Lord, would we be the people who ground ourselves always in knowing that you provided us rescue before anything else. That you are a a God that liberates us and that we are are called to... um, to remind ourselves of the great work that you have done, that we would be people that constantly talk about this thing that you've done in us, that we would make it a part of our ongoing conversation that you have rescued us and that you hold us, that you love us, and that you desire relationship with us. In your name. Amen. 
So for those of you who may be new within the last six weeks, I have, uh, last week I came in and I sort of sat towards the back. They were easing me back in because for the last six weeks I've been on sabbatical and um, it was fantastic. And as I was here, I was like, wow, it doesn't take long for our community to have new people, which is great. But I was like, I may be a new face to you. So if that's so, my name's Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here. And um, I'm so much more used to teaching from sort of a exegetical perspective. But today, I was asked to just give some recap of the things that happened over the last six weeks, what the Lord has been up to in me, and I believe that it can be an encouragement for our church. Is that okay with everybody? Okay, because that's all I have planned, so if it's not okay, <laughs> somebody else is going to have to come up here and do something. So, um, so I got caught up on what has been happening the last few weeks here, and it was great because these conversations agents of earth care and helping people who are experiencing food insecurity. These are all a part of our discipleship, right? That we believe in our community that as we attend to those things, what we are tending to is this idea of alone. Alone is a concept that we talk about here. And if that's new to you or if that sounds out there, it's a concept which means nothing missing nothing broken, that God desires that we are restored both in our relationship to him, but in our relationship to each other and our relationship to the earth, that as we are restoring that and as we are participating with bringing alone, that we are, that we are a collaborative partner in making nothing missing, nothing broken. And so if you've wondered sort of where all that, it's an especially because it's become so easy to take really good and important topics and turn them into political talking points, it's important that we remember that as Christians, that is our calling long before it's in any politician's mouth that our calling is to tend the earth. Our calling is to restore with each other. So, as, so, if, so if it's a hang-up or you because of a way that it gets co-opted, I would encourage you, reclaim it. Reclaim that for yourself. Um, and so today, I want to go through some of um, sort of how I entered my sabbatical time. And if I'm new to you, it may be like, we don't care about your sabbatical. This is the first time we're seeing you. You're just going to have to indulge me today because this is, again, this is all I've prepared. But I went in um, with a very dialed-in plan. I really like coming up with a, like, week one, I'm going to read this. I'm going to answer this question in my life. And I created, like, a six-week solving all the problems in my life routine. And I was going to answer all the questions in my soul in six weeks. And I had it dialed in of how I was going to do it. And then the very first meeting that I had with my therapist, he stopped 
I mean, he said, if you do this whole plan that you have, you will not rest at all. And he said, if you don't rest, you're not going to get anywhere, and this whole time will be a waste. And so the months that I had planning for this and being in, anticipating all of these things, he said, you're going to need to kind of get rid of all of that. And isn't it great when we have people in our lives that are able to see through all of our perfect plans? And they're able to see, actually what you need is to do something completely opposite of what you feel right now. What you need is to actually challenge that part of you that, will, that wants to outrun the wave that you sense crashing over you. And to have a person in our lives, and I'm so thankful for him because if it wouldn't have been for that conversation, I probably would have been much more tired coming back to you <laughs> than I am right now. Um, but as I, as I actually s- s- started to slow myself down, I experienced what I'm not sure if any of you have. It's called the let down effect, and it's where the minute you start to let your body slow down, all of this, and you you get your like cold will hit you. You get headaches. You can't sleep. It's because you're you've been racing and hustling so long that the minute you slow down, all of a sudden, all of these things that you've been out running hit you, and that's what happened to me. And so that was sort of disorienting. But I spent time. I uh, I traveled to Arizona. To speak at a conference for photography, which was um, fantastic. I was able to f- be completely present with Lexi in her graduation and birthdays. I spent time walking around El Dorado and just sort of taking in nature. I spent a lot of time reading, and each week I visited a different uh, church community. And was so blessed by just not having been, um, I have not participated in a church where I was not a part of leadership since 2003. So to just attend a church was so weird to me because I was constantly trying to find out where can I plug myself in? Where do they need help? And to just kind of be welcomed, it reminded me how powerful it is when somebody just looks at you, and that we have an opportunity to do something powerful, which might feel so tame, it might feel so bland, but when people come in here, and you approach them, and you, and you actually see them for a moment, for some people, that may be the only moment in their whole week where someone pause and ask them anything. We have the ability to do something powerful just by being present with each other. And so I realized that these last six weeks that my temptation, what comes up for me is that life's pace, the current of this river that I'm in, and do any of you sort of identify with that, that it feels like the temptation is to just learn to swim at the pace of the river. Learn to hustle at the pace that life is carrying you. 
we call that success, right? When finally, when, when we feel like we have, we've nailed how to hustle hard enough that we keep up with this pace. And I realize really quickly that as Christian people, sometimes what we have to do is say yes to the invitation to be plucked out, to stand on the shore, to look at the pace, and to say, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Is the the speed that things are at something that I want to participate in, or is there something that I need to do to approach life differently? Because I went... Um, and I walked around my block, and my time with the Lord walking often involves me having a lot of in, uh, pretend conversations or arguments in my head with other people that aren't present. I'm just walking, and my time with the Lord is often me going, yeah, well, what about this? And then, no, but then this. And I'm like having these arguments, and people are like, the schizophrenic Ryan is walking around the block again. Um, but I, that for me was, was how I was trying to sort of process everything. I was just trying to get a hold on what was happening in my life. And then I walked around. And I'm not a person that, that really has a strong sense of, like, the Lord spoke to me and I really heard him. Um, I have had those moments. And I had a couple of them in the last six weeks, which were really powerful, but I sense, I really sense the Lord saying, and it would have only been him because I wouldn't have chosen to walk around the block a second time, but he said, walk around again, but stop what you're doing. Just listen. And what came up for me is, listen to the birds of the air. Listen to these beautiful things that it's around you. Can you take delight in me? And I realize that one of the things that I have started to lose in my own life is taking delight in my walk. Does anyone else in here resonate with sometimes one of the first things that we lose is delight? Has anyone else in here? Am I alone in here? Anyone else? Is, is, is there somebody else in here that senses, like, my delight is, is having a hard time taking root? Something that was so sweet to me at one point is not anymore. And I outrun it because if I just admit that and if I say those words, I have to sit with how painful that actually is that I don't delight the way that I'm supposed to anymore. And so I had to address that part of it. And I had to allow myself, and we as God's people have to allow ourselves to say those words and to admit that that is where we're actually at. Because if we just run and we try to outrun and we try to swim at the pace, we will never, it will hit us rather than us holding it. When is the last time you experienced joy and delight? 
So I want to share some passages that came up for me over the last six weeks. I'm just going to kind of walk through them. This is going to be sort of a journey in the chaos of my brain and how it all fits with me. And so just hold on tight. You can, if you need to check your email, we'll be through this soon. So I just want to let you guys know that like this is a journey in how my mind works when I'm sort of just trying to process through what the Lord is up to with me. And so these are just some of the things that popped up, and I'll explain sort of how it all ties together at the end. First Thessalonians 4.11, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much, are you not much more valuable than they? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So don't go to the next slide yet. If, if I'm new to you, if you haven't seen me, I take so much. I have this, like, pride of, like, my slides are something that I love making. And so if I ha- feel like something's a surprise or, like, a really fancy thing, I don't steal my under too soon. So I want to talk through sort of these verses and how all of them fit together. And so I want to share, okay, now we can um, so this is how it all <laughs> this is how it all fits for me, and I want to share because I really think that if we can look at the pace, like if if we don't hear anything else, I would encourage you: are is the pace at which you are walking with a Lord something that you even feel free enough to step out of? And look at and say, I haven't attended to the fact that I don't feel delight. I haven't attended to my own grief. I haven't attended to these things. And so how it all fits for me is that we start with the Amma. That was a prayer that was prayed all the time. And the passage that we read in Deuteronomy was what Moses gave the Israelites right before they entered the promised land. And he talked to them about this because our temptation is once problems and once the trials and once things move away, all of the sudden we go, okay, I don't have to do all of the like praying that I used to do. I don't have to do all the, all of the like asking the Lord to be present. I can just move on. Moses was saying, no, all the time, return yourself to this story that you are a people rescued before you did anything, that the Lord showed up and provided you liberation, and that he longs to be our 
a God and he longs for us to be his people, that there is a delight, there is a passion, there is a drive that he has to be with us if we start there all the time. Remind yourself of that all the time. Start with that all the time. Even if it is just actually praying the Shema in your house every, every day. To start, we start there that God delights in you and longs to be with you. And then we move from there and then our posture is grounded in his desire to be in relationship. And then every day, every season, we can build rhythms of rest, delight, that the birds can remind us that we can we can take on a, a, a small and a still and a quiet life. Why? To recognize our own tendencies to get caught up in the rush of the current. Our tendency is to do other things. Our tendency is to take on a lot and to hustle and try to overcome. And if we keep up, we call it success. So what happens if we look at the birds of the air and it leads us to lead a quiet life. What happens if we actually take it on? Does everything get better? Do things get easy? Do, does all of this sudden success come to us? Does all of this sudden we don't have to deal with illnesses? We don't have to have the people closest to us be, betray us? Of course not. When we take it on, what happens is we recognize that that still happens it doesn't always lead to the luxury or the happiness that we want, uh, we want. And it reminds us of the brokenness in us and around us. And we mourn. We don't run. We don't numb. We mourn. And it's worth mourning when good people are ignored. It's worth mourning that when good people get sick and die. And so we move from that to, to mourning. So when we don't run and we don't fight and we don't hustle and we don't retaliate, it says we're blessed. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And it was brought to my attention and I had heard it this way, but sometimes the way that we read those passages are blessed are we when we leave mourning, right? We're blessed when we finally get through it. Mourning is just the stuff that we endure to get to what we really want, which is the comfort, right? But the way that the passage is actually laid out, it says, no, there's something actually in the mourning, there's something in being in that place. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you, whenever you face trials, not whenever you overcome trials. One translation says, consider it pure joy when you enter trials. When you go into it, there's something about being present in the middle of it and not 
leaving. There's something blessed there. And isn't it interesting? Because it literally is binding us to the heart posture of Jesus. That when we think about a person who chose not to escape the trials, Jesus had that option. And so when we have an option to run away, numb out, ignore, try to out-hustle the things that are happening in our lives in our own hearts, when we try to outrun that rather than holding it and saying, Lord, what is it about being in the midst of this trial? What is it about being present here, not running, that binds me to you because that is the way that you held your own trials? He chose to stay in it. Isn't it interesting that we are to count it all a joy, not when we finally overcome, but as we enter it. It takes new eyes, our new eyes, ears, and hearts to recognize that it's in our lowest places and in our pain that we are often closest to him. If we actually believe that God was near to the brokenhearted, would we despise our trials and pain as much as we usually do. One of the things that I did over the last six weeks was I had an opportunity to go be with 18 other pastors at a church in Nashville. And as I was there, um, the most impactful thing that happened to me was actually not at the event at all. It was in my hotel room the first evening. I was just asking, asking the Lord, why am I here? As a person who's worked for many churches, I've attended a lot of conferences. And one of the things that I have found is that when people do that, they often just do it because it's the thing you're supposed to do. And as Christian people, sometimes we just show up to things because it's what we're supposed to do or it's just kind of the rhythm that we have. And I was just trying to get really honest and say, why am I here? I flew all the way across the country and I want to have an actual purpose. I want to know why I'm here. And that opportunity to slow and take a deep breath and to just be open to whatever this spirit would say to me, it became really clear that I was waiting for somebody else on the outside to rescue me from the reality of my life. And so often we run to podcasts or we run to books or we run from here to here to here because we just want to be rescued from the reality of our life. And as I was able to say, oh, if that's what's happening, I need to stop hiding it and I just need to hold it. I need to hold it all. And when I was able to do that, my situation did not change. I was not rescued, but it felt like bits of those painful things in my life lost their power over me. And what came to mind was that death loses its 
thing, not its reality, but it loses its ability to have power over us. And that was something for me that I was like, okay, I don't need to be rescued out of the things that I'm trying to process. But as I let go of my need to answer all of these questions, I was actually able to be present with others because I wasn't constantly trying to do urgery on myself and I was able to pay attention to what is happening with other people and I found joy in that even though nothing about my situation changed at all. And that was like a mysterious thing, but it's also not mysterious at all because that's literally what we're called to do is be present with other people and that in that joy and sorrow can meet. And then when we get so preoccupied with the things happening with ourselves that we stop being present with others, that's where the things actually become the hardest. And I would really encourage us that we would pause just for a moment and say, Lord, where am I isolating from others? Where in the pain and trials am I trying to out run it rather than hold it. There's a verse that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And if we look at that with a new kingdom economy and new creation dynamics in mind, we know that God being for us is not just to empower us to overcome everything. It's not to just make us the most powerful person in a room. It says that it takes the sting out of a death. Those painful things all of a sudden lose their power over you, even if they're still present. Even if the things do not get, 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 get resolved and you're not rescued out of it, you'll be in power to actually be present with other people and find joy even when things don't change. And that's a beautiful thing because all of this... I didn't, no matter what happens in your life, we can count it all joy when we enter it, not as we leave it. And, I'm, and hopefully what you're not hearing is that as painful things happen, you have to pretend to be happy. Because that's not what it's talking about at all. It's, it's saying that there's something about being in the crucible and choosing to stay present, to stay present and say, Lord, what are you up to here? Because I don't want to stay here any longer than I have to, but I also don't want to preemptively leave, numb out, hustle so hard that I just ignore what's happening. Because I've seen examples in my life and the people that I care about that the people who try to out-hustle life's pain can only run that long before it will hit and it will catch up, and it usually takes them out. I would encourage us that if we want to be the kind of people that as trials come, we can actually do this thing which feels upside down and count it all a joy and continue to bless others and be present with others, that we would say, Lord, what is it that you would have me pause? What is it that you would have me be open-handed about, that I'm fighting so hard 
to be close-handed about. And if you have children in here, and we were praying in the hallway um, this morning, and the picture came up of for me is when I'm holding Era, and if and if you haven't had the chance to meet Era, you know that she has she's energy incarnate, um, and it's awesome, and I love it. But there will be times where she wants to be picked up, and then it doesn't take a long for her to be like, I don't want to be held anymore, and she'll like fight me and like <laughs> run away. So it's a very brief moment, except the times where she's feeling really sick. When she's feeling really sick or she's really sad or something's happened and she just puts all of her weight on me and she stops fighting, she stops trying to hold herself up and if there are other parents in the room or if, or if you've ever held a kid who's just putting their full weight on you, you know that that's a moment of power Listness for that kid, but it's a sweet and tender moment as a parent saying, I can hold it all. I got you. You don't have to try and hold yourself up. I've got you. There's something sweet about being able to carry their full weight. And I just want to remind us in LBCAF no matter where. You're at, or how much weight you think you carry, God can hold your full weight. He can hold your full weight. You don't have to try and hold yourself up anymore. He longs for us to fall into his arms. And you might be surprised that when you do that, you might be met with some heaviness and some grief because powerlessness does not feel great. But I can tell you from experience for me within the last six weeks when I let my full weight be held by him, I was able to find joy before things changed. Even as it seemed like things were getting worse and I was coming to terms with some really immature things that I was coming up in I mean, I was like, I don't want to look at the unformed parts of myself. And it felt like things were actually starting to get worse. I was able to find joy because I was able to be present with others as I stopped holding myself up. I would encourage you, no matter how far in the faith or how new in the faith you are, if you've never experienced fully just saying, Lord, I can't hold it up anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to hustle anymore. I don't want to try to overcome anymore. God is saying, I've got you. I've desired to be with you from the start, and I rescued you before you ever did anything. His love and his pursuit of you preceded anything you can or will ever do. And I think that it's beautiful that when Jesus is modeling how to pray. He doesn't start it off with almighty, all-powerful, all-supreme God. He says, our Father who's in heaven. Our Father who's in heaven. There's something about the ways that we start 
recognizing that that ability for him to hold you, his desire for good things for you, his ability to hold your full weight has to be where we start. It has to be a place that we remind ourselves of over and over again because if we don't, you end up like me, (laughs) just hustling, hustling, hustling. And then it isn't until we actually get plucked out and have these rare opportunities where it was such a big blessing for you as a community to provide that for me because honestly, I don't know if on my own I would have taken time to just pluck myself out and actually see like, okay, the pace of this is not sustainable for me. And I would encourage you that whatever you do, whether it's daily, weekly, this idea of taking a moment out and breathing and pausing is something that is essential to who we are as God's people. So in closing, how might this be for us? Because, yeah, this is all great. I'm sharing, look at all this amazing stuff that I learned and all this great rest that I got, but who here feels like they're in the middle of it, whatever it is? Is anyone else here in the middle of it? Okay. Even if there was like two people that felt like they're in the middle of it, I would have just zoned in and tuned everyone else out. In some ways we're we're either coming up to it in the middle of it or having just left it right like it is always present and i would encourage you that even as israel was just leaving it and about to come into the promised land the reminder was there look and remind yourself talk about these things over and over again because our tendency is to forget Our tendency is to forget all the time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. Repeat that over and over again. He is one. He longs to be with you. He delights in you. And he seeks after you. And he calls you to himself over and over again. Every single day. Remind yourself of that. And if you're in it, if you're in some trial or some test, Do you have people in your life who will maybe ask you those questions that we need to be asked? Do you have a person in your life that will actually say, all of this hustling that you're trying to do is preventing you from getting the rest you need? Do we have people in our life who will challenge us? that way. I pay mine very well to challenge me that way. So, but I just want you to know that like, if you don't have that, because that is a a luxury that I have, it's a, it's a privilege that I have to have that, of course, but I would encourage you find people who will challenge you in that way. Don't surround yourself with people who are just yes men all the time. It's good to have those people because it's encouraging, but we have to have those people that are looking at us and that can know us well enough to call us out. Maybe the people that will ask you questions like, what does it mean to let go right now for you? What does it mean to count it all joy for you right now? How does your hustle keep you from experiencing delight? 
maybe find people that will ask you that question. And also, make yourself the kind of person that would be that friend for others. And that takes a, very, that takes a certain kind of intimacy because you can't just throw that out at everybody. But I would encourage you, find somebody that will be that for you and be that for someone else. What might this mean for you? Because the real test is not here today. It's tomorrow. The real test is tomorrow. It's at work. It's at the grocery store. It's on the 405 at 4 p.m. Like, you want me to count that all joy? I'm not that Jesus-like yet. I'm not going to count traffic all joy just yet. But so why did I start reading a Deuteronomy? Because we have to remind ourselves every day over and over that it starts with his, the, the, the father's delight, the father's joy, the father's desiring relationship with you. And so when we can do that, when all, and if your brain doesn't work like that, that's okay, but I really believe that all of the things that the Spirit brings up for you, be asking, asking the questions, how does all this fit? How does all this work? How can I talk about this? How can I make this a conversation with the other people in my life? Because I really want to be the kind of person myself, and I want to be a part of a community where as trials come, we can somehow count it all a joy, that we can hold it all, welcome it all, don't run away. And so as my closing piece, I want to, um, I want to pull up this video. And then when it's over, I'm going to bring up uh, Pastor Danny and Andrew, and they're going to give a financial update, and then we will do communion. But this is an opportunity. You can put everything away. You can take a deep breath. I hope, I hope this is a gift to you as we close.
And I pray that you would find the delight and the joy and the freedom and the rest because it's available to all of us. I'm going to call up Pastor Danny and Andrew, who are going to provide you with a financial update, and then we will be taking communion afterwards. Hi, everybody. I'm Andrew, if you don't know me. I'm on the elder board. Good to give you an update on our finances. Can we... I'm going to call an audible here. Could we put up the that verse from James again? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever we face trials of many kinds. Um, so the news that I'm going to present to you today is not good news, um, but hopefully this is an encouragement to us. This is the chart that we share with you guys every month. Um, well, except for last month, I believe we skipped because we had a bunch of other stuff going on on the elder board, so I apologize for that. But as you can see, our income in the last two months was extremely low, April and May, very, very low. Um, we're bringing in essentially half of the amount that we're spending each month here in the last few months. And it's not good for our church. Um, I don't want this conversation is not one, two things. It's not one that's about shame, right? We're not trying to shame anyone with this conversation. This is about just presenting to you guys the reality of the situation in our church right now. Um, and it's an opportunity to do something different. Uh, with our church going forward, all right? On the right-hand side, you can see the total um, income and expenses for the fiscal year so far, which we have like two weeks left in for this fiscal year. So this is, this is pretty close to the end here, but we're running a deficit of $75,000 for this church operation that we're all a part of in this year, all right? Um, and in a typical, uh, in a typical month, this would, this would be the end of our update, and we would just encourage you guys to consider giving more, and I do want to do that, but I also wanted to give you more information about the trends and what has been going on in this church financially for the past couple of years. All right, so um, the next slide shows the total size of our budget for this operating this church over the past few years, right? The one in green all the way on the right-hand side is the proposed budget that the Elder Board is reviewing currently for the next fiscal year, which starts on July 1, all right? We're still trying to cut the size of our budget based on the amount of income that we're receiving here, all right? But going back, you know, three, four years ago, we were operating on a budget that was over two times the size of what we have right now, all right? And it's not, 
to say we should be in the same spot, we should be somewhere other than we are, but I just want everyone to think about what a church can do to bring the kingdom of God in our communities with that much more money, all right? Um, we're trying to be, as your, um, as the leaders of your, on your board, the officers of this business that we're running, we have to deal with the reality of our situation in the world that we're living in. And we're planning uh, with everything that we have to do things as responsibly as we possibly can, given the giving trends that we're expecting. Um, the next slide, not to make this overly dramatic, but this is a chart um, showing the total amount of our assets. This excludes our building, right? Our building is obviously a major asset, but it would dwarf the trends that you're able to see in this chart if I were to include it here. But this is stuff like our liquid assets, our bank accounts, stuff like that. You can see that it's decreased dramatically over the past few years. And again, the green, not really a forecast, but more of a, if we run another $75,000 deficit next year, like we have this year, our total uh, liquid assets will be on the order of sixty or seventy thousand dollars only, right? And we, this is a business. We got to have money in the bank in order to run it. We got to pay people. We got to have money to run our ministries and do the work of God. All right. So I really want to encourage everyone um, to think about that. Two more charts. Uh, on the next slide, this is about giving trends. Um, and as you can see, this on the left, you ha we have, <coughs> sorry, I'm moving the mic too close and far from my mouth. The, um, this is the amount, average amount that a uh, giver has given per year uh, or in, over the past few years, right? And it has been pretty steady. Uh, but you can see that the number of givers had a steep decline, essentially right after the COVID season, right? Which is um, expected, I guess, given the challenges that we faced and all churches faced during that season, right? But we really want to encourage everyone to give. Uh, I really like to make this a personal ask to everyone in our community. If you're not giving, please consider giving. If you're giving, but it's not regularly, please consider giving more regularly. If you're giving regularly, please consider giving a little more. The only way that we can solve the financial problem that we're facing is if we all chip in. Um, so that's, a, that's our encouragement from the elder board to all of you. Uh, thank you for indulging me. And uh, you keep that verse from James in mind. 
Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, so this is a little bit more extended update, right? We usually give a short update on the finances, and I'm thankful that Andrew has been able to spell it out. From the pastoral side, you know, the pastors haven't been doing this, and so I wanted to come up today and just share. Um, like for me, I, I became a Christian um, in ninth grade, and, you know, I grew up with televangelists and all of that, and a lot of pastors, like, you know, pleading and begging, prosperity gospel, and basically shaming and manipulating people. And that's definitely something, like Andrew said, we do not want to do here. Um, this is between you and the Lord, and as the Lord brings conviction to you. But at the same time, we know that we have to bring transparency. And we have been. Um, and today, you know, we want to do it a little bit more transparent. Um, you know, when, when, before I came two and a half years ago, we had three full-time um, staff people and, and like a, a, a lot of, you know, ministry staff. If you don't know, all the pastors now, uh, Mary, myself, and Ryan, are all part-time. None of us are full-time. Our admin persons, um, you know, everybody is part-time. We don't have any um, um, full-time staff. And so, you know, the past few years, we have been cutting. Um, and every, every time, as long as I've been here the two and a half years, we have constantly looked at the budget and have kept cutting. And many of you probably don't see the impact of the cuts, but I know from like the pastoral and staff side and elder side, we are constantly trying to figure out how to cut. And many of you probably don't know that um, Mary, our, our children and family uh, co-pastor, she buys all the supplies. She's paying out it from her own pocket because we don't have the finances for it. Um, before, you know, years ago, there used to be a full-time children's person and an assistant children's person. Um, today, Mary, you know, is part-time and out of her pocket again, she is paying for an assistant. And I feel like deeply like, ah, um, and, and so it's, it's the harsh reality of like, you know, what, um, you know, and a lot of the staff people, you know, we don't use our, our credit cards. We, um, we are trying to like make things happen. And so that is, you know, kind of what's been going on. Um, but we know that we have to make more cuts. Um, and so I know that for years, um, LBCF has been used to having coffee and tea outdoors um, beginning the end of July. Uh, that's something that we have to cut. Um, and so um, we're having to look at salaries and, and all of that. And if you look at the forecast, um, you know, if it keeps trending that way, then we have to make the hard decisions. Um, and that's, you know, where we are at. And so we uh, honestly want to just invite you to pray. Uh, to pray with us and to, like, seek God and just, you know, between you and the Lord to consider, God, how can, you know, we, um, you know, come together as a church family um, in, this, in this moment of crisis. Um, like in Ryan's words, he said, we are in the middle of it, you know, financially. Uh, there's going to be a point where we have to, like, consider, um, you know, hard decisions, like, if, if the trend continues, the reality is we won't be able to pay the mortgage on this building. Um, and that's a hard conversation. And so, you know, consider it all joy as 
the Lord, you know, brings this to our attention, that we make this a matter of prayer. We make this um, a place of like, uh, God, you know, help us. And, and at the same time, I know that the Lord, as Ryan, you know, wonderfully illustrated, that as we rest our full weight on the Lord, the Lord will carry us through this. And I'm so confident of that. And so um, I want to invite Ryan to come back up um, as we partake in communion together. Thanks. Thanks. I'm, I'm going to turn this. So if I could invite the people up who are serving communion every week, we want to provide an opportunity where if you want to come up and take communion, you could do it at your own pace. We do bitter herbs. And we also do, uh, there's grape juice and wine. And then if you need something gluten-free, these packets are gluten-free as well. So would you join us in taking communion? And then when we are done, we will come up and close. <laughs>